gentlemen, we're back. We're recording. It is May 26th. I hope you had a fun and wonderful May 24th weekend. I did because, like Mary Kondo, I love mess. Charles Pickett, how are you? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? Oh, good. Just uh, I, like how, cool. I like how the logo of your hat is glowing right now on my screen. <laughs> it's like leaving a streak as it moves around. Well, nice. I am wearing a hat, and uh, I won't tell what team it is, but I will say that uh, their playoff performance has started to make me uh, think that they might be my favorite. God damn. You know, at the beginning of these podcasts, I keep thinking they can't get any better, and yet, here we are, just absolutely destroying this yet again. <laughs> murderers. Just... Murderers. Speaking of murderers... So we were wrong, eh? So uh, we were dead wrong. We were very <laughs> wrong. We were so oh, yeah. wrong. A position I'm comfortable in, and will surely find myself in yet again as I stumble through life. But uh, do you remember, there's a band called The Chicks. Uh, oh, yeah formerly known as the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, yeah. I believe they once said in a song that the uh, oil had to die. Oil had to die. By oil. <laughs> the Oilers are gone. The Oilers are gone. What the... Oh, what happened here? Man, what happened here? I was, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not over that, that zinger. I'm still not over that... <laughs> 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 I cracked it as a joke. I was like, he's going to say Earl had to die. And then I was like, oh, oh, I get it. Uh, I don't know what happened. I think you hit the nail on uh, the head probably best. I don't know what. It's probably week three of this show when uh, you had a a three and a half minute rant about the Oilers having a bottom nine and how that's a problem. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a problem. Yeah, there's there's a problem. Uh, They just didn't have the depth and if you shut down you know two guys you can shut down 21 they you really and to be honest they never even were fully shut down i think mcdavid and drysidel both got four or five points each point a game guys right so yeah that's how yeah. good connor mcdavid is he's at a point per game race and we're like well you shut him down well done and that's not a bit <laughs> that's genuinely an accomplishment <laughs> to hold a hockey player to only a point a game. There's a, there's a guy in this in the in the division that there was no. We all determined that he was the best. We never argued at once the entire pod, and we never would. And of course, I'm talking about Connor Hellebuck. My God, the misdirects coming left and right here. Hellebuck was so so great, really proving to be, if not the best goalie in the division, potentially the best goalie in the league. It was a series of Connors. I mean, you had Connor McDavid, Connor Hellebuck, and then uh, Kyle Connor had an OT winner, did he not? He did indeed. Yeah, so that's the hat trick of Connors. I don't think it's fair to say that they got goalied, though. I just don't. I've seen teams get goalied, and I think Winnipeg did a better job than just having their goalie win these games for them. I mean, that game three is – game three is what I I come back like – one thing I always look for in the playoffs is you can see when a team breaks another team's will. Uh, we saw it with – we've seen it a couple of times this playoffs. I think we saw it with Ovechkin screaming in that double O-time goof and uh, the American side of stuff. I think game three when the Jets managed to get three goals and tie it up, and I think it was like a minute and 15 – and send it to OT. Once they won that OT, I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what Edmonton does. They can score ten in Game Four. It's not, it's not happening for them. This is a team that is broken after that. And a triple overtime. Give them, you know, I'll give them their credit. It went to three overtime periods, and I think it was like four o'clock in the morning here in Newfoundland before it ended. And that's how you kind of get sat down for the summer. But even if they had won the triple overtime. It's not happening for him. I will offer a counterpoint because in my opinion, while I do agree with some of the things you just said, but uh, I'm just with a specific statement that they did not get goalied. I think they got goalied. Do you think they got goalied? 
I think they got goalied. I think uh, Edmonton played better overall than Winnipeg with some obvious exceptions. Here's a couple stats from a guy on Twitter named Kenny Antonio. I want to make sure to give credit that. So besides the Colorado Avalanche, who are, in my opinion, so definitively the Stanley Cup cha- uh, Stanley Cup champion, most more likely to be. Whoa, whoa. Fa- favorite, I believe. The favorites, the I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, some people say favorites. Uh, back in Gander, I grew up, you call it the Stanley Cup champion most likely to be. It's, uh, it's a real orange-orange situation. So besides Colorado, <laughs> the Oilers were second in expected goals in the entire playoffs. So that means that Obviously, expected goals is not a goal. I'm not saying that they should have won. I'm saying that if we played these games 50 times, Edmonton would have won a hell of a lot more of them. Uh, Winnipeg was uh, second in shooting percentage, so their players were pretty hot as well. And second last in shooting percentage was the Edmonton Oilers. And, of course, the best goalie statistically in the playoffs was Connor goddamn Hellebuck. He was magnificent. I think they did get goalie because there was just so it's, – it's really – I feel for the Oilers here. Maybe it's just because I have some hardship in my past hockey-wise – but when I watch a team blow a four to one goal lead, man, oh, I got you have my sympathy. You, you really yeah. do. You really, really do. And I think, man, with those overtime games, that game that they blew, Mike Smith sucked. I think we got to say that too. There's a comment you talk about because there's goal, getting goalie does two things. One, one goalie. Yeah, crushed. that's two. The other goalie ain't doing any favors, right? Yeah, uh, actually, Kenny Holland had his post. Uh, I guess the eulogy of this season there, uh, his presser today, and he said he wanted to resign Mike Smith. And collectively, I heard a groan from Alberta <laughs> just come across like a wind, just a loud groan. Uh, so I think back let to me the goalie. Thing. I, I hang on a second. Back no, no, you thing. hang on a second, Charles. Right. Nobody, go ahead, go ahead. I'm kidding. One, one thing with the goalie. Thing. Wait a minute. No, I decided I want to go after all. No, <laughs> go ahead. I always interpret goalie being like so. The, the Winnipeg Jets were putting pucks in the net. Like I always interpret it when you get goalied in a series is like you're losing games two one, three one with an empty netter, and sometimes like a burn burner goes like three two. But the Edmund, like the, the the Jets were scoring goals there. Like one game they had five. But yes, Connor Hellebuck. When, when we're when we're summing up the series, we're going to talk about Connor Hellebuck lifting, doing most of the heavy lifting. Nine fifty six save percentage at five out of five. That's insane. That is uh, good luck beating that. If you ha- you you pretty much need a, like my my dogs are probably fucking thunderous in the background right now, eh? They agree with me. They're banging pots and pans for essential workers downstairs right now. Uh, yeah, no, man, 956. I got it. They, they were, I think the Oilers were really unlucky. All credit to the Jets. They fought, uh, but they had a, they had a 39.5 expected goals in game three. There's games here they should not have won that they did. I think it's lovely that they won them. And I, I think that they're, they, had a, they had a good series. I'm not shitting on them. They had a couple guys step up who really did. Shifley really led the way. He silenced a few critics, I think, five points in. I do think Blake Wheeler, uh, had, who has been bad, uh, he both has been on the score sheet and he's been throwing the body around. He seems to be turning back the clock a bit. I think that's nice. I did have a mic. Remember when we were doing that little joke argument about whose turn it was to go next? I forgot yeah, what yeah. I wanted to say because I was too interested in doing that bit. This is um, <laughs> this is what I was saying about re-signing Mike Smith. I am down to re-sign Mike Smith. But... Oh, hot take Tuesday guy. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> This is, but hey, let, let me finish. I'm down to sign Mike Smith. I will say again, and I and I think this is the case. I think the playoffs are the most important time of year. But I think if you're making your analysis based on a four game sample, you're in a bit of shit. Uh, Mike Smith had a fantastic season. Fantastic. Am I bringing back Mike Smith with no help? Not a chance in hell. 
Am I bringing him back if he's willing to sign at a medium salary? Uh, just because he's so goddamn old, and also he has not been that that consistent in his career. I want. I'm I'm okay with a Mike Smith tandem, but I think if you're bringing back Smith Koskinen, you're crazy. I think it's buyout city for Koskinen, and let's see who the Oilers can bring in here. That that was that was the second quote I was going to get to. Um, it's probably the wait only a minute. Time I got it's... another thing. Just... <laughs> another one. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't I've have never seen, to say. Go ahead. I've, I've never seen a GM flat out say this exact line at a presser. It's like, buyouts are a possibility. It's literally all he said. So if you're an Edmonton Oiler and it's like, buyouts are a possibility. He's talking uh, about know, Koskinen like, there, right? I think so. you, you got to think. You really got to think he's talking about Koskinen. I it's 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 a mess and it but I mean maybe we should maybe what we should do here is uh, why don't we talk about what the Jets did well before yeah. we uh, dissect what is uh, what is left of the Oilers because I That's think fair. we don't want to we don't want to lose we don't want to completely lose sight of that we do want to remember what the Oilers were but uh, I just I'm kind of shocked at some of the performances here and you know what. I think that this is something that we'll get back to with the Oilers, but the Jets really won this one in spite of Paul Maurice. This is one of the most baffling coaching decisions of my gosh darn life. So Dubois and, uh, sorry, Dubois and Ehlers were both healthy for game, I think it was game two. Uh, Dubois came back game two. Maybe it was game three. It's kind of three, irrelevant to the three. point, but there was a game in that series that they were both coming back. Game two or three, I can't remember which. But they brought back Dubois, and they did not bring back Ehlers. And the reason he said was because they didn't. he didn't want to bring back two guys in one game. First of all, are you fucking crazy? Uh, <laughs> second of all, if you're going to bring back one of those guys, which, by the way, you don't. It's not... What is this, Jenga? You can put in more than one piece at a time. My God, you goddamn fool. Leaving your best player out of the lineup because you don't want to put in two guys at once. And even if this was some insane thing where you could only put in one guy at a time, put in Ehlers over Dubois. Put in Ehlers over fucking anyone on your roster. Yeah. Except Hunter Hellbuck. <laughs> now put Ehlers in net. Put Nicole Ehlers in net. Uh, I, I don't know what Paul Maurice's deal with Nikola Ehlers is. I know when training camp started, he was skating on that extras line. There was all kinds of these uh, Nick Ehlers for, for uh, Jake DeBrusque rumors. And all, I was like just face palming. You never see that gif where like this dude face palms with two hands and then a third and a fourth hand and a fifth hand comes up. Like when I was reading that, it's like, oh, the, the, the Winnipeg Jets might try to pry away Jake DeBrusque and dangle Nikolai Ehlers plus in front of him. And I yeah. was just like, somebody please get me two aspirin and turn off the lights. I have to lie down for a fucking hour after reading this. He's looked, he's just looked incredible. I mean, yeah. NHL coaches teams. must be stopped. They must be stopped. There it's, what are you, there's so many things that are just blowing my mind. It's, it's, if I like, if I can you imagine the conversation progress, we're having though. right that's now if the Jets don't win that series? That, I gotta tell you though, that's a, like even changing one. Like you go back ten years ago, so it's like two thousand and eleven. You didn't change your playoff lineup if you won the night before. You just yeah. didn't do it, and and that is progress. Like they won the night before, and it's like okay, we we've got Dubois who was be like he's been kind of lukewarm this season for for what they kind of paid for him in my opinion uh, mm-hmm. and then it's like well we, we, i just don't know how like unless i don't know how you reach that decision unless you're like me and you flip a coin because i flip a coin a lot uh but if he's <laughs> like oh I got, i've got two guys coming in i can't make this choice myself let the universe decide heads is ehlers tails is dubois that's the only way it makes sense to go with dubois over ehlers in any sense. i don't even i don't even accept a coin argument i think it's like i think it's what well, i didn't say it was rational <laughs> well no that's true i, I, I took that quite saying, seriously i'm like i'm not certain say, I, if this this fictional scenario scenario you just invented is uh in, is gonna do in my it. life in my life it's not fiction 
<laughs> he, I don't know, man. But anyone else on the Jets that stuck out to you before we dig into the Oilers? Because uh, we're going to have a full other series to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was impressed by their decor and a little bit of the ability to do what I would call the Tampa stuff, which is a hold that doesn't get called for a hold, a hook that doesn't get called for a hook, an interference that doesn't, you know, they're kind of running a few picks there. I was impressed by that because there's a lot of not so seasoned guys back there that were able to do things dirty, but smart. And I won't say dirty. Dirty is not a, not, a, not a word I want to use there. Able to do things greasy, but smart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they were able to kind of slow fellas down without getting themselves in trouble doing it. And by fellas, I mean the greatest player we see in the game right now today. Yeah. It's, they did a great job at like, and not even physically dominating him, just frustrating the hell out of him. Which, did they do a great job, though, or did the officials do a horrendous job? I think is something yes, that we need to I, talk I, about here. I, that's a chicken or the egg argument. Like we've seen it happen with Crosby throughout his career too. That if uh, you're I don't that think good, it's chicken egg, man. I think it's. I think this one's uh, cut and dry, man. Yeah, he he literally didn't draw a single. Uh, he, he didn't draw a single penalty in the series, which is suspect. Like Rachel well, Doria, okay, so let me let me pull this all. in here. I pulled yeah, a couple of tweets yeah. on this. So yeah. one from Rachel Dury. I watched every Connor McDavid shift from four games. I counted over 30 infractions against him. The fact that he didn't draw one speaks to what the NHL wants from its officials, and it's not good for the game. This one's from Jeff Fayette. Connor McDavid, the best player in the world who has ridden like a jet ski all series. <laughs> oh, that's a, a little sexual if you ask me. Didn't draw a single Winnipeg penalty in those four games. Just shows that come playoff time, the M- the NHL believes the best way to match up against its top stars is to maul them. I know that there's hockey fans who think that if the whistles being away and in the playoffs is a good thing. I know that some people think that. Fair enough. But you have been well spoken for over the last 20 years. Let me offer a perspective that I think that a lot of hockey fans share. I'm just call your goddamn rule book. You wrote a book of rules. Call the (laughs) rules you wrote in your book. I'm sorry. It's not that complicated. If McDavid gets burnt, if McDavid blows by you six times a game, tough titties, man. He's better than you. I want to see the best players be able to succeed. If you get a guy who can defend them, great. But watching guys who are who have a quarter of his talent who are able to stop him because the refs won't call the rules that are in the in the book that they have to know, it's just it's it's become tiresome to me. To that, like. I don't say I agree with it, but it's something that you, you kind of at least got to be present of. And it's happened for the last fucking, there's been like, it's gotten a little better, but it's happened for the last fucking 25 years. We've seen stars come and go that the same thing happens. Like it's kind of open season on them. Yeah. But I don't it's, know it's not a, even, it's not even physicality, right? It's not like people are throwing. No, big, it's, no, no, it's, it's, it's like, it's no always, one is tuning in. So grab. many people tune into this game to watch Connor McDavid. No one watches hockey for hooking. No, no it's, it's, but I mean, it, and I don't. I, I hate to keep going back to this well of comparing Connor McDavid to Sidney Crosby, but Sidney Crosby won cups with fellas literally hanging off both ass cheeks of him as he's skating through behind the back of the net. Like they held yeah. and hooked and grabbed, and you know, it's it's not. I'm not saying I, that this is a this is what is stopping McDavid from succeeding. I'm okay, not comparing that's, him to yeah. anyone. I'm saying okay. as a man who throws his eyeballs at hockey games a lot, I would be having more fun if the contest was more about who is better at hockey and not who is better at manipulating this rule book that no one seems to call. That's fair. If you're I allowed to hook, that. say you're allowed to hook. But if not, eventually we got to start calling the. It's just it's it pisses me off. No, and I, and I agree. Like, this playoff, more than anything, man, I have seen some calls that have been questionable and some calls that weren't called that you're like, holy shit, that's, that's a suspension in the regular season. Like, mm-hmm. in particular, a, a Tampa-Florida game where it's like, well, that's a three-gamer there. That's a three-gamer and change. Yeah. And it's like, well, he's skating to the 
bench, not the box. Oh, oh, uh, he's oh, okay. No, well, guess not. Not this time. All right. <laughs> but in terms of the Oilers, I don't yep. think. I don't think this is on McDavid. Do I think McDavid could have played better? Yep. Do I think Dreisaitl could have played better? Yep. Do I think either of those guys were bad? Nope. Nope. They were fine. They were not world-beating like they were in this season. But the supporting cast in, in in Edmonton are at fault. And, in fact, they're not at fault at all. Dave Tippett... And Ken Holland are at fault. I cannot stop I thinking about that quote from the deadline when Ken Holland said, some years you don't go for it. Well, buddy, yeah. you didn't go for it this year, <laughs> and you wasted the greatest season of maybe the greatest player ever. Come on. Yeah. Some years you don't go for it indeed. And uh, I guess this was a year that they weren't going for it because, oh, boy, they uh, they didn't go for it. Um, one, one thing about I'm trying to find – I don't want to paraphrase it. I'm trying to find – here it is. So one thing that I came back to was immediately that quote because they burned like one of the greatest seasons since like 1994. And uh, then this is from 2019, October 14th. This is the year after they uh, missed the playoffs. McDavid shatters his leg in the last game of the year and he doesn't get the surgery. He, there's a documentary made about his rehab thing. It's on sports that it's worth checking out. Elliot Friedman today on CHED 630, which is an Edmonton radio show implied that the idea uh, that is McDavid will give the Oilers two years to turn things around that Ken Holland has laid out a plan with McDavid and his agent and they would be better in two years. In those two years, they lost in the play in round and they've lost. They got swept in the first round of the. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. That's past tense. So that was two years ago. That was yes, not this, this was, year. This, this was after he had shattered his leg. This was in, this was going into the 2019 season. This is immediately after he shattered his leg and rehabbed it and all this stuff. And like, I don't think, I, I don't know. I don't know if McDavid's going to be like, you know what? We've tried it this way. We've tried it that way. At the same time, there's something that doesn't sit right with me with like the GM having to sit down with Jack Eichel after, you know, an injury and being like, Hey, what have you got? Like the, the Michael Jordan documentaries out there, like superstar players aren't great GMs. Like, yeah, but you guys know that, who's not is a great GM is Ken Holland. Well, that's, I agree I, with that. I, as no, well. but no like, you should not have to sit down with your star player, but someone has to sit down with Ken Holland and be like, dude, do you know that you're allowed to provide depth around your team? You need to insulate your players with other talent because in, in the unlikely event that you run into a hot goalie like Hellebuck and you go cold for your standards and you don't, you're not able to do what you did in the season, you need guys around you to pick up the slack. And Edmonton just did not have those guys. And you know what? On top of that, if we're going to talk about Dave Tippett, there was guys that he could have used that cool. they didn't. They misused their players. They they used there was guys like Ethan Bear, for instance, who I mean, mm-hmm. real quick here, we won't dig too deep into this, but has taken a bunch of racist shit on the internet. Uh, which like fuck off, man. Like disgusting, what? yeah. It's it it drives me absolutely insane. And it's just the man as a human being deserves so much better than that. I wanted to get that out there. But back to him as a hockey player, real quick. With Ethan Bear on the ice, this is from NHL Sid on Twitter, plus 31 in scoring chances. Without Ethan Bear on the ice, minus 273. What was his average ice time in the series? I bet it was sub-15 minutes. Well, let me have a look for you, pal. I know they didn't use him in, like, half of the overtimes in Game 4. They were like, well, nope, not using him. This is yeah. uh, including all those overtimes, so... Yeah. Uh, we're looking at 14 minutes, 18 minutes, yeah. 26 minutes because they played two games in one night. So really you're dividing yeah. that by two. Yep. And then 14 minutes again. Unforgivable. Caleb Jones yep. was uh, one of their best possession defensemen, barely played either. It's, it's embarrassing. Really, yep. it's really deeply troubling to see. I give Ken Holland credit for fixing the, the Pugliarvi situation and nothing else. If I'm an Oilers fan, because they have two, $22 million in cap coming up this year. <laughs> Sorry. And they have – this is who's coming out. They this is who is, uh, who is, who is uh, a UFA right now at the end of the, the season for the Oilers. we got Nugent Hopkins, 
who they better bring back. My God, because he's got another like he's a he's got Everly, Taylor Hall, all those guys written all of all over him. Just because he's not the best player in the world, you let go of a quality player because you just didn't feel good about him. They can't let go of any here's, more talent. Here's Sorry, the question: Does he want? Yeah, does he want to go back? Well, that's a good question for all that's, of them. Let's keep it, hey, let, me, let me just finish yeah. this list here. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Shea saw $2 million. Ennis, Cahoon, uh, Gaten Haas, Yamamoto's an RFA, Nygaard, and Shore. That's that whole, <coughs> pretty much their whole bottom six. So they do have an opportunity. They have a shitload of money, $22 million to fill that in. On the blue line, they got Kulikov, Barry, and Larson. Then they've got the Koskinen potential buyout, and Smith is a UFA as well. So you got 22 million bucks. I'm bringing, if you got to get some type of scout, and I don't mean like a junior scout, I mean a professional NHL scout who can identify guys who can come into that bottom six and contribute. Because if I'm Connor McDavid and I'm looking around and you're, you got a bunch of AHL scrubs around you again, I am starting to ring the trade bell. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, that's what I've, I've been reading most of about is like, oh, is, <clears throat> are they going to bring Ryan Nugent Hopkins back? And all I can think is like, man, he's been there, what? He's got to have 10 years in the NHL punch now for sure. And it's like, does he even want to spend the rest of his life in Edmonton when I don't even know if he's won a playoff series in his career? You go ahead and ink that contract. Say they come to him tomorrow. And it's like, look, here's seven by seven. You know, the rest of your life, maybe at the end of that seven, you got two years in the tank if you're an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Seven by seven, you're here for the rest of your career. And then a year into your deal, two years into your deal, Connor McDavid is like, nope, I've had enough. Get me the fuck out of here. I'm not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. That's something you got to really ask yourself. And he's I think from Newton Hopkins, without... it's a question. I think from the Oilers' perspective, it's a no-brainer. Well, yeah, if you're the Oilers and he's willing to stay. But I, I – Part of me thinks he's made up his mind to go to, to at least go to market. Now the flat cap and all that stuff might have something to do with it, but part of me thinks the Edmonton Oilers aren't this fucking dumb. They would have locked them up if the opportunity was there this year. You know what I mean? I have on. no doubt whatsoever that the Edmonton Oilers are that dumb. <laughs> I don't doubt it for a minute, my friend. I really don't. If I am. I forget, man. It's I forget. The hardest thing in hockey is not to suck. The hardest thing in hockey is when you don't trust your management team. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for Oilers fans. They got some good young pieces. They have Connor McDavid. They can turn this around in a blink. They have a lot of uh, they have a lot of room here. But they got some decisions to make, uh, and they better they owe Connor McDavid more because that man gave him everything, and. Uh, Oh, one more quick couple quick couple more things on the Oilers before we move on to uh, the Leafs Habs. Real quick. Yeah. You got any yeah. do you got anything on your end that you have not hit that you would like to hit? It's worth noting the morning after the Edmonton Oilers got swept, Wayne Gretzky resigned from his position as uh, Edmonton yeah. Oilers ambassador to go to work for uh, TNT, obviously, in, in, in the uh, United States TV deal. But I just found it kind of comical. It's like Whew, Wayne took that loss a little hard. He quit. You know what, man? If I'm Wayne, and like Wayne is one of those guys that's such a good player that he never had to understand why he was good, he was just good. He, Wayne can't teach people how to be Wayne. No one's like Wayne. So if I'm Wayne, I am going on TV, doing my little hits. I'm having my winery. I'm drinking my own little smooth whiskeys, and I am staying out of this goddamn mess. <laughs> this coaching <laughs> office in Phoenix. <laughs> His, his coaching office in Phoenix was like all marble-topped desks and a fireplace in like in the background. Can you imagine going to your coach's office and he's got like marble and oak as a desk and there's a fireplace and like one of these red high back leather chairs? Yeah. And it's like, you want to see me about the power play coach? And you're like walking into fucking Yvonne Drago's study or something. Awesome. Okay, a couple light things real quick. I just needed to say this. It's apropos nothing, but we're done with the Jets. Mark Shifley has two baby goats, and he brought them on the ice, and I think that's nice because I think goats are funny. I have nothing else to add on that. The other thing, because I've been hard on the Oilers, I feel obligated to offer them an olive branch because I do think this is a turnaroundable team. Not a real word, not a chance in hell. But 
Darnell Nurse was really, really, really good this year. Really good. I mean, he struggled at times during the playoffs because they really overplayed him. They get these ideas. Coaches get these ideas that you're like, well, I'm playing one guy. There was one overtime period. He played 15 minutes. There's only 20 minutes in the overtime. One of those shifts was four minutes and 47 seconds long. And he did very well. But, I mean, you got to have a blue line that your coach is willing to trust a little bit beyond that. And after that, he went and he played, I think, almost almost 50 minutes. And then he went uh, after they got eliminated. I'm pretty sure within six hours, he was by his wife's side and she delivered a baby. Uh, his baby. I should be clear about that. Uh, but I think, like, just as a human story, I know that I'm a stats nerd. But uh, just what a, what a nice way to forget about uh, a terrible playoff sweep to just go and just get reunite with your family and then you just, you know, meet your kid. I think it's really nice for Darren Alersh. I think he's a quality player and I think he'll be good next year. I think that's nice. I kinda... We didn't talk about Tyson Berry this whole time. Good for us. I, I, I know. Are they going to sign him though? Are they going to, are they going to extend Barry? I have no, nothing new to add on this. My, my thing is before someone is going to pay Tyson Berry $7 million, it's going to be a mistake. It shouldn't be Edmonton because Evan Bouchard is ready to go. Let your children fly. Ken Holland, they always said about Ken Holland in Detroit, they're all like, oh, he lets his young players marinate, and by the time he comes, they're ready. Nah, dude, you didn't let them marinate. You wasted the age 22 to 24 years, statistically some of the best years of players' careers, and you done fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I love using the word statistically and done fucked up in the same oh, sense. Also, yeah, Oscar Quentin might come back. So, you know what? This is a really interesting uh, offseason in Edmonton. We'll see. We will see. All right. Let's get into the Leafs halves. My good. You, Charles, what do you want to start with here? This is I want to start with a disclaimer. As oh, we no. record this on May 26th, 6.21 p.m. year of our Lord 2021, the Leafs still have to win one game. That's it. I just want to say I've been noticing a lot of people are celebrating, a lot of other people are waving the white flag and all this, and I'm like, just for the love of God, win the next one. Remember how I said, yes, remember how I said earlier that uh, I look for when a team breaks another team? Yes. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that in this series. I did see that the last two games Toronto played, Montreal kind of owned the third period. It was they were in the driver's seat for the final twenty of the frame. So Yeah, but anyway, how many times just, do you see a team up with a big lead and then the other team just takes over and the they just go into shelter mode? It's don't get me wrong, I would prefer to see the Leafs, you know. It is a score effects kind of situation. I prefer the Leafs to be going and scoring nine or nine or fourteen more goals, or that's what I would say if I was a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Yet to be confirmed, but listen, <laughs> I'm a, I'm happy. You know what? I'm going to say that I am happy. Am I? Do I think this series is over? Nope. Do I think that the Leafs are going to win? Yup. Have I been hurt in creative and disgusting ways before? You're goddamn right I have, sir. So, yes, there is a potential that the Leafs do not win. But I have taken a new <laughs> thing on myself. I'm just – listen, man, it's okay to be happy about being up 3-1. to one. You'd be sad if you were down 3-1. to one, So why not be happy with what's been accomplished so far? The season was good. The first four games of the playoffs were good. These, you got to take the little wins. This fucking hockey fan mentality. I think it's because I'm into soccer and people care about the regular season and it's, it is celebrated as a thing because it is. And the best, you know, the, the best demonstration of who the best team is is the team that wins the most games over a large sample size. So the season, people shouldn't treat it like it's nothing. But I'm just done with this idea that you only celebrate if you win the Stanley Cup. I'm taking every little moment. If I go to the bench and Wayne Simmons is doing a funny face, I'm happy for that too. I love it all. I've been through some shit, man. You understand? I've been through some dark shit with this team. I am celebrating the little things. I don't think it's over. But goddamn if these four games have not put a smile on my face. With the exceptional I, I, I – barely held it together there with the addition of I have been hurt in horrifying and creative ways. <laughs> <laughs> like clever little ways to break my heart. Um, how, how do we, we, we haven't recorded since this series. 
started. So, like, really, where do we where do we where do we tap in here? Like, where I do think, you where do you begin? I think we do. Let's let's take a big. We've we've got four games in. What what have yeah. you told from those four games as a whole? Maybe what have you what have you taken from there? Uh, I have taken a deep appreciation for the Leafs being able to force shots to the outside, uh, which yeah. is something that the Leafs had kind of fallen victim to in their previous failures. I have found, and they, they've kind of they've done that. Um, I had uh, I, I, I'm ready to admit. So my notes uh, today, I, I had wrote like I am dead wrong twice and the uh the, the first one was the Edmonton Oilers obviously I, I had said Oilers in five dead wrong um and the second I just said I uh, how wrong I was was Alex Kerfoot I was very wrong about that I wanted Kerfoot to come out I had lobbied for Kerfoot to come out in our playoff preview mm-hmm. episode and I just want to say yeah glad I'm not the coach glad yeah. I am not the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs for two reasons. One, that's a dumb move. And two, I look surprisingly sloppy in a suit. (laughs) I mean, listen, as a fan of a hockey team, I don't want you coaching this team either, buddy. I don't mind saying it to you. But as a fan of joy, I would love to watch a camera train (laughs) on you uh, just reacting to everything that's happening. It would be a delight for me. Let me tell you something I was wrong about that I've said on this podcast. I said that Kyle Dubas's worst trade was the Nazem Kadri trade. And as of this playoff year specifically, because the words have come out of my mouth in the past, there's no way Kadri will get suspended a third time. And fucking here we are. Kadri is suspended again for a million games. We don't need to get into it, but it's, it's, I just. Kerfoot is peaking at the exact right time. Barry came and went, and they replaced his money with TJ Brody, who, my God, just can't give that guy enough credit. The Leafs won the Nazem Kadri trade. I'm saying it. Wow. Bold. Uh, Nazem Kadri... <laughs> I don't know if I even believe what I just said. But man, the face there was... I mean, sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's possible for both teams to win a trade. Like, sometimes it's possible for both teams to win a trade. Nazem Kadri's uh, a great player, but I'm sorry, three times is too many. Three times, three is, times three, is three. Three massive three suspensions is, uh, in the first round. And I, I don't want don't to linger too long on this, but he has appealed the suspension, which the ruling comes out tomorrow, Thursday. It probably will be made by the time you're listening to this. The NHL has a – so by appealing it, they can throw more at him which would be, uh, oh boy, that would be uh, something to watch. Right now it sits at eight games, but he appeals it. Then it goes to Gary Bettman, and then it can go from Gary Bettman to an arbitrator, and they could, uh, yeah, he could end up getting a dozen. Philosophically, the way that this series has gone so far, even if this not was the, if, even if this was not the Leafs, has been delightful for me because all this talk about like we're built for the playoffs. When the playoffs come, you'll see who we really are. Against the Leafs, for people, a team who have historically been called soft, who have been uh, criticized for getting skill and for paying their stars what they paid them. Philosophically, this feels so good because Montreal is playing no different like they were in the regular season, and Toronto was better in the season, and they've been better in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Like, you, 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 you prioritize defensemen who can't move the puck or their own bodies, yes, you are winning the hits race by a giant margin. But hits is a tricky stat because there has never been a player with the... There has never been a player who has made a hit with the puck. There has been one, and it was Alexi Yashin with an elbow on Darcy Tucker. (laughs) If you're winning the hits battle, that means you're chasing people around. I don't care. Yeah, I, I will say that in a regular season game, when they show, like, hits, oh, they're getting out hit, I make the fart noises with my hand, which I won't do right now because our producer might get mad about that because it's tricky. Uh, but in a, in a playoff season, it does because, <laughs> like, you, I'm sure it's hard to edit. So I'm sure it'll clip and all that stuff. Uh, in a playoff season, though, where you're playing every second game, 
I, there is a little bit more, you know, to the fact that if you're hitting them 40, 50 times a game, they got to come back and play in two days. Those fucking things hurt. So there's oh, yeah. a little tiny, yeah, there's a little tiny bit more that I'll say it's like that might, that might be something there. Can I clarify a bit? Yeah. I'm not saying that I. if you give me the choice between being hit and not being hit, I'm taking not being hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do I but, think that there is a long-term effect about guys who are getting punished and the potential of injury and the potential of wear and tear and exhaustion? Yes, I absolutely do. Yeah. Am I done with hearing about hitting as a barometer for predicting success? Yep, I'm done. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree as well. I would... Uh... That, that's that's the easiest way to simplify what I was trying to get at by going the long. Don't get me wrong. Way. I'll take Gretzky who fucking wrecks people over Gretzky who doesn't. But just get the, you know what I mean. This, these ideas are like, oh, you got to get a team who plays like this. Nah, man, you got to get good players, and you you, so, don't have, you don't have the you don't have the the roster right now by the looks of things. By by Gretzky who wrecks people, you mean Alex Ovechkin, really? <laughs> I do mean Alex Ovechkin. You know, yeah, like you know, it's pretty. He does exist. This is what um, scares me if I'm Montreal right now. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews has not been uh, has not put a ton on the board. Mitch Marner has not put a ton on the board. John Tavares is injured, and you still are not winning. That yeah. is that's something. And you know what? I got to give credit to three Montreal Canadiens players. Uh, those being Tatar, Deneau, and Gallagher. Uh, game four, they outchanced they outchanced the Matthews line nine to four, and they have kind of matched well against them statistically the entire time. They just don't have they don't have any they don't really have anything else to give. And Dominic Ducharme is tripping over his own dick, making the weirdest decisions game after game. I'm wondering if he's a Leafs fan. R- Romanov <laughs> hasn't played at all. You saved us from Cole Caulfield, who has looked terrifying. Uh, every time, yeah, he's, yeah. every time he's got the puck in the offensive zone, I'm like Jesus Christ! And you scratched him yeah. twice. I hate that rhymed. I don't like that I rhymed that, but I believe in what I said. Yeah, he, it, having him sit the first two games out and they won one of them is like he's he's been the only guy that when I'm watching it, like when he's got the puck and he's lining up for a shoot, I'm nervous, like very nervous. I'm also, like, I think Josh Anderson for them has looked good, but has been a bit of a distraction, an unneeded distraction mm-hmm. throughout this series, which we, we can get to. Uh, you brought up Dom Ducharme. Hang on, let me, let me go... squeeze in. A, I have an Anderson point, yeah. and then I'll, I'll pull back okay. to you for Ducharme. Yeah. Josh Anderson mm-hmm. had a great game one. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, he has thrown a lot of hits, and he has been very noticeable. But has he been super effective? I can't say that he has. And people keep talking about him like he's a playoff performer. The man in like 25 playoff games is a .36 per game playoff player. He's a .38 per game season, regular season guy. He doesn't put numbers on the board. He generates shots that are not particularly threatening. He throws a lot of hits. But I I think I'm done talking about him like he's Lucic with the peak Bruins. He's not, man. He's overpaid on a weird long contract because Bergevin bought into this idea that you need a certain type of player. That's my take on Anderson. And I will say briefly, and I, I'm weary about how much I want to get into this, when he scored that goal like three minutes after Tavares went down, I tweeted about this, and I got some stuff back to turn my guy yeah. When he scored that goal, like three – Tavares is on a stretcher. One of the most horrific things I've – it's the least I've ever enjoyed watching a hockey game. The Leafs were down I like – and they were, they were, they had the goalie pulled. I was like, I don't care. I don't know the health of this man. That was one of the most horrific things I've ever seen in my life. And about three minutes after that, they get him off the ice on a stretcher. He's bleeding. Anderson shreds through two D, two Leafs D, who are clearly just catatonic. There's guys on the Leafs bench just looking a million miles away. I thought they should have shut the period down and tacked it onto the second period, honestly, just to give a reset. There has been a precedent for that in the past, but nonetheless. To three minutes after that, to drop to a knee and start pumping your fist on one knee, I gotta be honest, man. I love celebrations in hockey. I will defend people's right to do the dumbest shit until I'm dead. <laughs> but after a guy goes down like that and there's a genuine health scare to the point that the Canadians are putting out a press release wishing him well during the game, this is a serious thing. 
and maybe it's not the time to be riding on one knee playing fucking air guitar. I don't like to use the word classless, but that's weak. Weak shit. I, I, we had a disagreement about this in the, the group chat. I simply think he forgot where he was. I think, like, he just... He forgot where he was, time and space-wise, and he just scored a playoff goal. And it's kind of like how I feel if I were to win $100 on a break-open ticket because I'm never going to score a playoff goal. Yeah, but you don't win break-open tickets at the scene of an accident, Charles. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair, too. But I mean, listen, I will say that I have not gotten – you were not alone in disagreeing with me on that. I'm not saying I'm calling up for a suspension. I'm not saying that we should hunt down Josh Anderson. I'm just saying, as a human being, I think it's it's weak. And – I know that you get hot, caught up in the heat of the playoffs, but it is still a choice. I remember, if you're a Canadiens fan, I think about Mike Camilleri scoring in fucking the seventh overtime, and he celebrates by pushing down his jaw a little bit and the smallest fist pump in the world. There are guys in the league who can keep their heads in situations like that. So Yeah. And they traded him in the middle of the game. Um, oh, God. Montreal did. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, thank you for your patience on me on that. Please go ahead with your your Ducharme. Uh, yeah. So you brought up uh, Dominic Ducharme and his, his questionable decision making. One of the strangest things I have ever seen in probably live television, uh, a live sporting event. It's right up there with like when Mark Messi, uh, Mark Messi, Jesus Christ, when Mark McGuire broke the home run record and they had a press conference immediately like he just cracks a ticker and it's like all right games on pause that disallowed (laughs) that's so weird oh that was that was yeah that was insane to me like mark messier uh, jesus i keep calling him mess this is steve austin's fault by the way this is tied and steve austin's fault uh yeah and and number two on that is the goal challenge in clean laundry stone cold clean laundry uh the the goal challenge from Mark Bergevin, not to be confused with Mark Messier, uh, Bergevin <laughs> grabbing like the bat phone to get down to the bench and being like, you've got to challenge this. And just the reactions to all that were like, he's pointing at this giant TV in his suite and like he's talking into his cufflink like he's fucking hockey James Bond. <laughs> yeah. And then it pans to like Kyle Dubas, who's, He's like, what the what the fuck is going on? He's literally genuinely confused and like. So you had a take on this on this uh, goal review thing, though. Yeah, I think it, I, I I think at that point it's a, why not call it a double or nothing play because the Habs and the Leafs we've both seen our teams have this season have goals that should have counted come back uh, against each other, and we've both had goals that shouldn't have come back come back it's insane against each other again. Like it's quite literally once you get to a, and that's only with goaltender interference. It goes back to your spiel before is call the rules. Sometimes the NHL just doesn't know what the fucking rules are. Uh, and the goaltender interference one is, is might as well. Mark Bergevin saw something and he said, you know what? They're probably going to flip a coin double or nothing. We're down two one. This makes it three one. Their power play has not clicked whatsoever to that point. The series I'm going double or nothing. And, you know what? Sometimes it comes down to a coin toss. You know what, what my take is on this? What's that? It was really dumb and they should not have done it. Well, that's why they were given a penalty. Like, they shouldn't have done it because it was quite literally... You're well, that's what I mean. Like, and that game, yeah. that game might have been different, but Montreal took a lot of penalties. Uh, most of them, I think they were justified. I don't get the complaints on that side. I do understand the Gallagher-Brody incident where Brody also got him. I understand being upset that that was not two coincidental minors. I get that totally. Beyond that, those were deserved penalties. And I love Sheldon Keefe being like, Montreal... That he did, there was a, a Keith quote that he's like, Montreal said this was going to be a war. They came in, they said they're going to make this series a war. And it's like, yeah, well, it's actually not a war. It's a hockey game. And there are rules. And you done broke them. And sometimes when you do that, you have to sit in the box. And it makes you pay. Even if you don't get scored on, it kills your momentum. I mean, um, the other thing is, like, that is – I don't think I've, I have ever seen – a, a a general manager clearly making bench decisions like that and poor Ducharme. Yeah, was well, all of this because if he's just if he's just there because uh, Claude Julian could not be bossed around and he can, then I feel bad for the man. But it looks Ooh, it's on it looks like it's on him. 
I'd have thought about it that way. Because yeah, yeah, maybe he fired Cloji. But but like you gotta wonder, like, where does Burge's decision making end? Like maybe that's why Cole Caulfield wasn't in game one and two. I maybe wonder that's that. why we haven't seen maybe that's why we haven't seen Alex Romanov. Like back to one thing with the goaltender interference, and everyone's like, there was no way that was coming back. In the moment, if you were scrolling through Twitter and and talking to people that were watching the game like I was, nobody was absolutely 100% deadpan certain that they weren't going to call that goal back just because of how inconsistent goaltender interference calls have been. And there was a lot of people who were like, this shouldn't come back. And if this comes back, I believe my quote was, if this comes back, I will fucking lose it to whatever that constitutes. But... No, nowhere, <laughs> nowhere did anyone say it's like, well, yeah, 100%, this is going to stand because frankly, it's a coin toss. I don't think it's a coin toss. I think you got to look at me like, this is not goaltender interference. Yes, this league sucks ass, but I mean, you're, you're, you're playing yourself in my opinion. I, I just, I don't, I don't see that at all. There's the, the choices that they're making there, like the Ben Sherratt first pair experience, that guy's playing huge minutes and He's got like 13 giveaways in the series. The man is just getting run ragged on the forecheck. He really is. All the things that they said that, oh, Montreal is going to hit them into the boards and then they're not going to be able. He's getting stripped constantly along the boards by Toronto's forecheck. And uh, I'm grateful that Romanov's not in because Romanov is quality. Uh, I just – give me one more. Give me one more, Leafs. I know it's not over. Man. It's it's not That's over. I like our ch- I, I like our chances. Yeah. Uh, I again I I've got the same PTSD everybody else does. <laughs> I'm I, I I need to see this win. I don't want I don't want game six. I certainly don't want game seven. No. I want this over on fucking Thursday, man. Yeah, end it on Thursday. Just get out clean. Couple of days, rest the troops. Maybe Last another year two on Montreal. Uh, yep. Well, it's not the last thing. I don't know why I said that. But the the Tatar near scratch is uh, – I just can't – I can't I can't get over the amount of decisions that they've been making in Montreal that are just – they're cutting themselves off at the knees. This is not a bad team. This is not a bad team, in my opinion. Uh, but I fear the Julian version of the Canadians much more than I do whatever this is. And I don't think they're making decisions that are giving themselves their best chance to win, which was not high in the first place. And I'm grateful for it. I, I just, again, I, I don't want to get radioed, as they say. I, I just don't want all this shit to get clipped. And then people are like, ah, they thought they had it won. Give me another win. But I don't understand. That's one of the bigger ones. Uh, the, the the Thomas Tatar, the only reason he played that game was because Eric Stahl was hurt. That's one of the bigger ones that I just couldn't make sense out of either. It's like you, you've got just stripping people out here who are, who are scoring threats for what jake evans like you know what i mean like i and i i've never thought about that how much of the decision making is is bergevin being a helicopter parent here oh yeah there's a there's a there's in montreal there is an inability to to evaluate their own players hmm. and i i feel bad how have you felt about carrie price's game so far he, the last game he was an 899 for an average of Jesus 920. Yeah, he's I I've, I I think it's almost cringe to say he's been a difference maker when they're down by two games, but he's been a difference maker. Like he's he's been steady. He's been there's been nights where he's been frustrating because you're just kind of watching if you're me. Uh, a fan of the game, of course, not a Leafs fan, just a, an, an anonymous fan of the game. There's been nights where you're watching and it's like, Jesus Christ, can we at least get some of the lights out chances past this guy? As yep. opposed to, you know what I mean? Like, the Leafs really haven't cashed in on all of their lottery tickets. You know, there's stuff he's pulling that, you know, it's Carey Price, it's Textbook carry price, but he can't Kerry do it on himself. A good to very good goalie. I think the criticism, yeah. a lot of the criticism with him gets lost just because I, I genuinely think that besides in Florida, this is the worst goaltending contract in the NHL. 
And uh, I think Carey Price is good. And I think it's a mistake and it's really hard to look at him. But this idea that like, oh, playoff carry price is unbeatable. That I'm, I'm just, that's a yeah, story. Yeah, I don't subscribe that's to that. Story. It's, uh, he's, I, he's, he has not been the problem, but listen, man, you're, you're getting scored on quite a bit and you don't have Matthews firing yet. So, uh, and I'll tell you another thing is he's been the second best goalie in this series so far. Jack Campbell so far, and I'm, I know that you're worried about getting radioed or whatever, but I'm only yeah. talking about what has already happened. And he has been the okay. better goalie in every game. He was magnificent last night. I got yeah. two different texts saying the Habs kept shooting into Jack Campbell's chest. That means that that Jack Campbell, did I say Zach Campbell? Fuck. You know, you I'm said, curious yeah. if I did. I meant Jack, and the man deserves to have his name right. But if you're if you're getting the pucks fired into your chest, your positioning is top tier. You're dialed in. I've he I don't remember feeling the confidence that I felt with a Leafs goalie, and I'm not saying that when the last time was. I'm saying I do not remember. I uh, I'm very very happy they went back to Jack Campbell uh, yesterday for the back to backs. Just uh, I, I I don't want to like I was. I don't want to say I was like, oh, I never had a doubt. Like, I was the whole day wondering, like, what the fuck are they going to do here? Like, what are they going to do? Because it, it, it's, a, it's a questionable decision to go back-to-back with a guy that had played back-to-back all year. And I was yeah. like, well, what, what, what are they going to do? And uh, they did. I'm glad they did. And I'm, I'm going to take a quote from his press conference because if there's one thing I like more than a good Jack Campbell performance in the net, it's just how – a good example of how great of a guy Jack Campbell is. And uh, last night at the press conference, he said, it's just an absolute honor. It's been an honor to battle him. Jack Campbell on Carey Price. So I I saw that quote and I was like, this guy is just too pure for this world. And if they hurt him, so help me God. But uh, it reminded me of the 2011 Stanley Cup final. Um, with Roberto Lalongo. Luongo. Am I saying that right? All You're right. close. You're and dangerously Tim, and, close. And Tim Thomas. <laughs> and uh, the quote was essentially after Vancouver were up to nothing. Tim Thomas was like, "I don't ever see him pumping my tires." Oh. And I'm like, "What does that have?" And of course, Tim Thomas did come back to win the game, to win the series, or whatever. But I thought that was like one of the dumbest hockey clips. Oh, yeah. Now Tim Thomas is like pumping up tires in a bunker somewhere because he thinks the world is ending. <laughs> Fucking, I don't know what Tim Thomas is doing right now, but uh, the less said, the better. I don't, I've loved Jack Campbell. I, every, every show, Charles, we have a Jack Campbell quote, and it never feels forced. It's always delightful. Yeah. I think no, for a he, casual he's... fan who's looking for a way in to buy into loving this team, look no further than Jack Campbell. I think he's been he's been magnificent. And you know what? Someone had a nice tweet, and I unfortunately I don't see I didn't I I didn't jot down who said it, but I thought it was a really nice thought, which was to give credit to Frederick Anderson, who played a bulk of this year clearly injured to allow Jack yeah. Campbell to get rest, and has been nothing but a model teammate since. And I I personally don't forget the years of terrible terrible goaltending that Toronto had that Freddie really settled down. So while I want this to be Jack Campbell's net, I have no ill will towards Freddie Anderson. I think he's, he is a beaut. I don't know if we'll mm. ever see him play another game for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but uh, I'm, I, he'll have a warm spot in my heart. I agree. There's a, I don't know if you've seen the meme, but it's, a, it's, it's like a famous – it's all of the Ninja Turtles and it's the, the Splinter walking them as their kids. Somebody <laughs> oh photoshopped God, it. Wait yeah, so, all right. Somebody photoshopped it with like Toronto Maple Leafs 2017. It's like Mitchie, Matthews, uh, Nylander, and, and the boys. And then the, the, the adult Splinter is, is Freddie Anderson. And then oh it goes God. Toronto Maple Leafs 2021, and it's the Ninja Turtles are grown, and Splinter the Rat is this old senior citizen. And it's Mitchie, Matthews, Marner, and the – the, the splinter is once again Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson's yeah. 31 years old. I know, but it just shows that an like, elderly rat. I just yeah, looked up splinter be... rat age. He's 51. This is we're out of control <laughs> here. <laughs> come on, man. 
He looked up mechanical age of the uh, I love stats, Charles. I love stats. <laughs> I've told you many times. I got some more, too. Uh, Austin Matthews yeah. has been excellent. He has not found the twine yet. Take notice of this, because we've talked about this with other players quite a bit. Uh, Matthews, while he has not been effective in finding the net, the thing he's best at, we're four games in. He's averaging almost six shots a game. That is wild. He's shooting 4.1%. And we've talked about shooting percentage before. And that historically is around 13. So I don't know if it's going to be a Montreal Canadiens goal dinner or maybe he'll run out of time before things get a chance to regress to the mean. But the way things are looking there, someone's about to get lit up. And I have loved Austin Matthews in this series. Even as a player, if I knew nothing about stats or nothing about players, I would be like, who is this fun uncle who keeps laughing during the scrums? It's, it's so much fun. Loving it. Yeah. Um, Loving the Matthews experience. So grateful that I am a Leafs fan during this man's tenure. I, I sincerely hope that Thursday night is the night we get to see the Austin Matthews show. I sincerely hope that. I want this. I, I can't say this enough. There's one win left to go, and I want that win to be Thursday. I don't want any fuck-ups or any accidents or anything to chance here. Uh, one thing I want to get to uh, before we run out of time here is uh, William Nylander. Four goals, four games. How dare us take this long? How dare I, us? I, uh, I wanted to close with it. I left it off the note sheet on purpose. I wanted to close with it. So I, I cheated a little. I waited for the 10-minute warning to come up. Do you up want to close on Willie? Because I have something that Absolutely. must be got. Okay. Okay, so let right. me, I'll do Go two ahead. things real quick. Number yep. one, Alex Galchenyuk, former Hab last night. My gracious goodness, that first pass, there is not a lot of guys in the league who can do that. Yes, his defensive impacts are that of a fourth liner, but he has the offensive abilities of a, a firm second liner. And to have that in your back pocket when Tavares goes out, there is no limit to the amount of talent you can stash on your hockey club because you're going to need it. And that came from him. And last night they asked if he had any friends, and he's like, no friends in playoffs. I'm here for playoffs. Galchenyuk, what a fucking treat. Love it. Jason Spets is the god. We've talked about him a million times. He he absolutely rules. I don't think we need to get too much into him just because I have faith he's going to keep it going, and we've talked about him a lot. So let's close on your boy, Willie. All right. Uh, Two things on that. Uh, Last night I dubbed the Alex Galchenyuk Revengeance Tour. He was out for Revenge and Vengeance. Where my T-shirt at? And Jason Spets, I just – People already know if they don't bring him back next year, I will die. I will lay down and die. Like I I love him so much. Uh, But back to William Nylander, four goals, four games. Unbelievable. Um, Just making, proving Scarborough Ron wrong one game at a time, (laughs) just absolutely torching anyone that tried to say that all of these fucking, Oh, he, can't do it the playoffs and oh he's got a bad contract and oh I'm threatened because he's better looking than me and oh I secretly I think I'm attracted to him and that's why I'm so mad all the time and all the takes I on Twitter. Both, I am both threatened by his looks and publicly attracted to him. He's a young decapitator. <laughs> Gotta give it to the kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, but these, Adam, you know, Adam Christie had a joke that he said at uh, William Nylander looks like an American girl doll if it grew up. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, like they, they've got they've got nothing. They've got nothing at this He's point. Been got, he has been the Leafs' best player, and he he has absolutely been the Leafs' best player. And I said when Tavares went down that uh, he's going to have to be because yep. he needs to step up. Someone's got to be. We're not a we're not a deep team offensively. I hate to say it. We've got a lot of options, but not a lot of uh, second line options. And yep. William Nylander. Yes, the results are there with the goals, but he's also winning battles on the puck, on the on the boards. Like he's playing like a horse, man. It's, uh, it's game been, two, it's, and I've been banging this guy's drum for so many years, yeah. taking the dumbest shit. People don't like him because basically, he held out his contract. And by the way, his contract is great, great. You, you know, you know my galaxy brain take on this. I've told it before. They held out his contract. That was all staged. 
to this day, no, Charles, will, what is it, was, it with it? It was always with six minutes left. You're always like, I have a fairy I'm, tale for everyone. I'm telling you, we're going to find out when one of them writes a we'll book. We'll talk about it when the season's over. We'll talk about it All when right. the season's over. Stay in the present, baby. Things have never been better. What do you got for me? Uh, I just, I hope they wrap it up on, uh, on Thursday night. Like, I just hope we can come back here next week. I, I know there's still one more to go. I just don't want to be coming back and recording some sort of disaster where we're set up to go into an elimination game ourselves. That's all. That's all I want. Close it on Thursday. Well, we're going to close Thursday. this. We're going we're gonna to record the next podcast at the end of this series. I think that's okay. the point, whenever that may be. Okay. So we will be back then. Uh, real quick, Nylander's only played 14. He only played 14 minutes last night. You can find the man some more minutes. The Leafs' leading scorer right now, because I think it's worth noting, is Alex Kerfoot. And if I'm going to close on anything, it's that uh, some of you guys owe William Nylander an apology. You know who you are. You know what you said. You owe the man an apology because you he can is a send- and we're so lucky that he's on this team for as long as he is at the contract that he is. The guy fucking rips Willie forever. Man. In lieu of an apology, you can send $5 to Charles Pickett and Matt Wright. General delivery, St. John's Newfoundland. <laughs> I don't want your dirty, willy blood money. You send it to Charles and he's going to spend it on, on scratch tickets, but I don't want it. <laughs> uh, Matt, before, before you go, uh, why is it important to you personally that the Leafs wrap this up on Thursday night? What have you got going on Saturday, bud? Oh, I have a show on uh, – okay, so I'm the dumbest man in the world. I don't know if we've covered that. But I have scheduled a show for the same time as Game 6. So it's it's very nice of you. What Charles is doing right now, it's a very nice friend thing to do. I have a show. I am uh, doing my album again on Zoom and in real life. We're live-zooming the show to everyone. Uh, so Charles is setting me up so I can plug that show to peop- to listeners of this podcast. It's so nice of him. But there's not a goddamn person – who was going to listen to us talk about the Canadian teams for two hours once a week and watch me do stand-up on Zoom instead of watching Game 6. But in the event that there is no Game 6, which would, which would be great, uh, yes, I'm doing a show. And Charles, I appreciate that uh, very much. I will bring you a Sobeys Blonde next time I see you oh. as, a, as a thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening, by the way. The numbers have been creeping up and stuff. And uh, nice. listen, we're doing our best. We're having fun. And we're doing this weird thing during the pandemic. And uh, very, very grateful to anyone who is uh, giving us their time and listening to this podcast. We'd love it if you left a review or you fucking hit star on your iPod. I don't know how any of this works anymore. But just <laughs> tell your uncle, tell your uncle fucking Brendan that he was wrong about Willie. That's what we want. Don't, don't leave a review. I don't care. Phone your uncle. Bring this off right now. Phone your uncles and fucking give it to them. You know what? <laughs>